0: middle of a special series in the book of John called Superman HD. And it's Superman, really the redefinition of Superman, because Superman, it really, I mean, he's not the pinnacle of, you know, uh, of the definition of Superman. We're going to argue that Jesus is, and it's HD, um, not high definition or even highest definition. It's HD, human and and divine. Jesus is 100% 100% man, a 100% God. And we are um, in the second section of, of John chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 to 31 today. And our topic is really pretty much the second part of last week's message. It's encouragement for troubled hearts. Encouragement for troubled hearts. So... <clears throat> Welcome to the second part of this section of John, popularly known as the upper room discourse. It's one of the last and most extensive conversations that Jesus will have with his disciples. Um, And it's in this famous upstairs room. And this is commonly known as the Last Supper. And Jesus says, has been with these 11 men, excluding Judas, for three and a half years. Three and a half years, which has pretty much basically covered the first half of this book. John chapter 1 to 11. And um, as we started a few weeks ago, when we hit John chapter 12. John chapter 12 to the end of the book is pretty much <laughs> the final week of the life of Jesus. Half, this is what makes, I mean, John's gospel is very distinct from the other three. And I'm saying, and this is one of the distinctions, half of the book is about the last week of Jesus' life. <sighs> and our text is, is very detailed and quite technical and will be a challenge <laughs> um, to explain in kind of my short allotted time. Therefore, I won't be tackling every single element exhaustively, um, but we'll aim to get to the heart of the passage. Um, There's some of the stuff that we're going to be able to talk about in community groups during the week. So let's pray, and then we'll read the text. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, for just the privilege of being here among your people, sitting, listening, under, being exposed to your word. What a privilege this is. And we ask that, Father, you would allow this time, to be exactly as has been outlined, Lord, a real encouragement, Lord, for our hearts, particularly if we're troubled. I ask these things, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, John fourteen. Hopefully, you're there with me. I brought my glasses just in case. Eyes are getting so bad, and um, I think I can just about look at the. T- I can just about read the text. So, John fourteen. <laughs> Starting at verse 15. Let me put my glasses on, y'all. Starting at verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even a spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you So that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. Last week we heard that Jesus would be leaving his disciples for the last time. Which left them feeling agitated. Left them feeling anxious and uncertain. Jesus said to them in verse 1 last week. Let not your hearts be troubled. He then reminded them that he was leaving but only temporarily and was actually going away to prepare a place for them and would therefore return to collect them and bring them with him to his father's house. We saw that with reference to to last week and just a very simple outline of John 14. We saw verse 1 to 6 that Jesus reveals the way to the father remember the classic verse 6 i am the way i'm the truth and i'm the life right no man comes to the father except he comes through me jesus reveals the way to the father and then the second um, section of last week's message was verse 7 to 14 where we saw jesus revealing the father if you've seen me he says you've seen the father and he reveals the father doesn't he this week We're going to see that Jesus is going to now reveal the coming of the Holy Spirit who would also come from the Father. That's our verses, verse 15 to 31. Now, before we jump into verse 15, looking first at verse verse 12, um, just a few verses before our section, the last set of verses before our section, we see three things. We see three things. We see... Faith at the beginning of verse 12, great works at the end of verse 12, and prayer in verse 13 and 14. Remember, prayer in Jesus' name. If you ask anything in my name, that's why we pray, at the, that's why we say at the end of our prayers, in Jesus' name. It's in his name we ask these things, right? So that you see those three things. And then and then in our, in our verse, in verse 15, the beginning of our section, um. There's an addition to that list, right? The first verse of our text adds love, verse 15, first part of verse 15, and then what? Obedience at the second part of verse 15. Can you see that? And this connects our section from last week to our section this week. Faith, let me put it up. Faith, works, prayer, love, love and obedience. These are five important elements of the Christian life, five important elements in the life of the disciple. Would you agree? Male or female? These are characteristics that Jesus expects to see in the life of his disciples, past, present, and future. Love, as we jump into our section, love will come up ten times in our text. And obedience is going to come up five times in our text. And they don't appear in our text apart from each other. Why? Because one springs forth from the other. One springs forth from the other. Verse 15 says, If you love me, says Jesus, you will be obedient or you will keep my commandments. You see that in verse 15? Obedience that finds its root where? Obedience that comes from anywhere other than love is not the obedience that, that Jesus is looking for. And to be honest with you, you can't really keep God's commandments apart from loving him because who's going to want to keep them? You're not going to want to keep them if, you don't, if you're not concerned about the one who's made them. We keep them because we appreciate who he is and it's on that basis, it's like, man, remember Joseph? Look, he's like confronted with the temptation of temptations for a man. Hey, come on now. And he's like, how can I sleep with this woman? Oh, you, you, you could do it quite easily, bruv. I mean, many do. He's like, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? You see how his obedience comes out of a, a love and an affection and a, a commitment to God that's based in, in love. And he was in a difficult situation. I mean, we got no excuse, right? Lord, help us, man. So, no disciple is able to conjure up any of these things on this list. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If you've been in a Christian life for a while, you know that. You know what I mean? And none of us can do these things in... in, no, No man, no woman can do these things in their own strength. So, as disciples, how do they do it? I mean, as disciples, how do we do it? You know what I'm saying? As disciples of Jesus. Um, it's like, the question is, who has been helping these disciples so far up until now? Jesus. Amen. Jesus has been, for the past three and a half years, as I mentioned, he's the one that's been helping them to, you know what I'm saying, to trust in God, to, have, to believe. I mean, that's the whole point of the book, John says at the end in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, right? Jesus is the one who's, I mean, they went out doing amazing works and come back really excited, but was it on their own strength? No, of course not. It was Jesus that had ena- enabled them to do those things. In terms of prayer, I mean, they were like Lord. I mean, they saw his relationship with the Father. They're like, teach us how to how to do that, how to connect, how to communicate with God like that. He helped them with reference to prayer and in terms of love, member, Jesus is, is, has been saying it and will continue to say. It. He says, "Look, I want you to love." And I am saying, "Remember the commandment back in the Old Testament." But He says, "A new commandment I give unto you." And I am saying, "People are like, oh, there is nothing new about that commandment. It's the same one in the Old Testament, yeah, but with a different twist." Jesus says, "I want you to love, but not just love your neighbour as yourself." You know what I mean? Because sometimes some of us don't even love ourselves. And that's a good excuse not to love. Well, I'm not really feeling myself today, so why should I love them? I'm not trying to love them. (laughs) It's it's twisted, right? But you get my point because I'm sure you've been there. You know what I mean? But Jesus says to them, no, he says, I want you to love the way that I love you. That's how I want you to love. And that's what makes it different. That's what makes it a new commandment. How many of you know God gave the commandments? Only God can change the commandments. That's another reason why we say that Jesus is Superman. He's human, but he's also divine. You know what I'm saying? He's God manifested in the flesh, right? So Jesus has been helping them. But the thing is, (laughs) well, Jesus has been the one who has, has been close. He's the one that's been alongside. Jesus is the one who has been helping them. But Jesus is leaving. No wonder they're feeling anxious and troubled How are they going to continue without Jesus' help? Verse 16 has the answer. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you. Wow. Jesus says that as he leaves he will be replaced or substituted if you like and he will Jesus will provide another helper. The word another means another after the first kind. Let me tell you about my car. Now, I've had loads of cars, but when I say my car, I mean one particular car. And it's not the car that I got currently. Like My car (laughs) is not like any other car. Like this car, since... I sold this car, right? and I was tempted. I thought, should I show you a picture of the car? And I thought, mm, I don't want it. <laughs> you know, I'm not even bothered about you. I'm worried about my own heart, like, oh, my gosh, this car. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I, 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 I submitted to the temptation. Here's the car. This car, yeah. <clears throat> Some of you remember that car. It's like, since I, when I sold it, since I've sold it, I've never seen another car like it. And, and trust me, when I'm driving down the road, like if you're a man or even if you're a woman and you've got a thing about cars, you can't help but notice cars, right? And um, I'll be driving down the road and, I, and I, I'll, every time I see a car that looks like this, ask my son, my wife, my, do- ask my daughter, ask anybody. As soon as I see a car that looks like my old car, I'm like, oh, my old car, And I never see a car like my one. And it was a Mitsubishi, Pajero, three litre V6 petrol. (laughs) Blue over silver, leather interior. And I had converted it, it's a three litre V6. I converted it to LPG, so it ran on liquid petroleum gas. And if you know anything about that, it's actually half the price of petrol, and it still is. And it's widely available. (laughs) <laughs> Look. see my, my car I've never seen anything like this you know and I'm saying I've seen ones that are close ones that are kind of similar you know and I'm saying same colour but they're diesel and not petrol and it's like you'd be like come on Robert it's, like it's, it's got a steering wheel, it's got four wheels it's, it's got seven seats it's, it's just a car no it's not <laughs> no it's not, it's not I've had a few cars since then, and not the same, actually even more newer and fancier. You know what year that car is? If you know anything about your number plates, is it a number plate? Car was made in 1993. The car is 22 years old. Listen. It must be because I'm getting old, isn't it? You'd be like, oh, he's getting old, classic cars and all that. The car drove like no other car I've ever had. So, and you, you were like, oh, so like, you're going on about so, this car. Why did you sell the car? Talk to me afterwards, yeah? <laughs> I ain't got time to tell you now. It's a long story. It's a good story, but it's long. I can't tell you now. But what's my point? And I was talking to Brent this week. Like, Brent's looking for a car. Is he in here. I'm not sure if he's in here. Yeah, Brent's looking for a car. And someone must have said, oh, yeah, speak to Pastor Robbie. Apparently knows a few things about cars. That's a small amount about cars. I just had loads of bad experiences. That's what it was. And um, so, you know, um, I was showing it to him. And <laughs> he asked me like, about cars. And I don't know I got onto my car. I had a picture of it on my iPad. I showed it to him. And I, I stopped short of saying, this is the car you need to buy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the thing is, like, not getting too carried away. <clears throat> my point is, it's, it is a car, but it's not like any other car, you know what I'm saying, what i'm saying is in order to replace jesus there couldn't be it couldn't be anything less than jesus because it'd be like what we're going to replace jesus like what with you can't tell me that there's going to be anything that's going to be anything like him because we've experienced him we've been with him i've driven that car Cornwall, and am back. Like, I get in another car, it's just not the same. You know what I mean? And we've been with Jesus, and it's like no other man ever spoke like this man. And I'm saying, so you're gonna you're gonna give us a substitute. Like, what's it gonna be like? How could how could it ever be like him? See, what I'm saying is there There could potentially be disappointment, but there will be no disappointment for the disciples when Jesus leaves because his replacement will be identical in providing all that they will need. It's going to be just like having Jesus around. See, the word helper is parakletos in Greek, and it means one who comes alongside to help an advocate, A a counsellor, a comforter. And it would actually be better for the disciples. Not that the Holy Spirit is better than Jesus. Notice. How long will this helper assist these needy disciples at the end of verse 16? How long is this new substitute helper going to be? Thank you, Mark. He's this new substitute is gonna be with them forever. You see how already it's beginning to get better. And notice he is a person. He is called the spirit of what? Just want to make sure you're with me. He's the spirit of truth. And he seems to be just like Jesus. He was referred to earlier, as I mentioned in verse six, as who? The way, the truth. And alive. life. Hmm. This person seems like he's a bit like Jesus. Very similar, but at the same time, very distinct. In verse 26, referring to the same person, he's called who? In verse 26, this spirit of truth, if you can jump down. You've got a paper Bible, it's easy, isn't it? But two twos, you touch the screen, you go to some next app. You know what I mean? Verse 26, can anybody tell me? Some people, someone's got advocate, helper, All right? What else? Huh. Well, verse 26, referring to the same person, he's called the Holy Spirit. See that? The Holy Spirit a powerful, personal, invisible, spiritual presence that will replace Jesus' physical, visible presence. In Acts chapter 16, verse 7, because he's so much like him, Luke calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus because he's so much like him. This person called the Holy Spirit is actually the third member of the Godhead, the Trinity. And we get to we get to meet him right from the very beginning of the Bible Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and let's be reminded that without Jesus without God the Holy Spirit we can do none of the things that we saw on that list a little bit earlier. Without God, we can do what? We can do nothing, and we're going to be reminded of that in the next chapter when we come to it. And notice, he is the spirit of truth as opposed to the spirit of error, as referred to in other parts of Scripture. And therefore, he cannot be received by a certain category. He cannot be received by a certain group. Six times in our text, there are references to the world. To the world. And it was a bit difficult because they come up at different points. And I was saying, to like Jordan was asking me, Dad, how's your study going last night? I was like, wow. If you ever see my notes in terms of trying to make sense of the text, as like scribbles all over the place and lines all over the place. And you see the world keep, kept coming up in the text. And I was like, how do you tackle this? Do you have to keep coming back to it every time we come to it? And, and I thought, "No." Nah. But we can't ignore it. And I don't want to spend too much time on it. But the world, I suppose, if you like, it's a code word in the Bible for the unbelieving community, which how many of you know, every single one of us, bar none of us, was a part of. We're familiar with that community. You know what I'm saying? We're familiar with that that group. And, and, and the text says that God loves the world. Remember, we saw that a few months back in John chapter 3, verse 16. But the world is in enmity with God. It's at odds with God, isn't it? Weren't we? But those who have been saved out of the world, the text says the Holy Spirit comes to live with And in them. Look how well taken care of the disciples are. God will be nearer to them than ever before. Not just with, but in them. Now that's unprecedented. Meaning this ain't happened before. And there's more. Look at what Jesus says in verse 18. It's amazing. He says, I won't abandon you. Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as what? As orphans, I will come to you. Orphans. Did you know, in terms of adoption versus natural birth parents, right? Guess which one of those two groups statistically have the higher percentage of abandonment? Adoptive parents or natural parents? It's not a trick question. And even as you begin to think of it, you're like, whoa. Natural. Natural parents tend to abandon their children more so than adoptive parents and the adoptive parents are not the biological parents. It's deep, isn't it? We talked about this in community group just last week. It came up because we were talking about, when we looked at the text, we were talking about, have you ever, the disciples, Jesus leaving the disciples, right? So we were like, have and and they felt abandoned. We were like, have you ever felt abandoned before? And we were talking about that. Oh my gosh. Half the people in the room had been abandoned by by, by, by at least one of their natural parents. And it's like we're living in a, a terrible time, aren't we? Surviving the absent father. The dad that should be there but isn't. 24 million children live in biological father-absent homes. Now that's just in the States. See? Ephesians, five, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. It's beautiful. Verse 5. Talks about our adoption, doesn't it? It says He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. How many of you know nobody don't adopt somebody? What's the word I'm looking for? Unintentionally. Thank you, Pastor E. It don't happen. <laughs> and I'm saying when someone adopts someone, they take their name. And I'm saying they legally become their child to the point where you can't remove that child from that family. Did you hear the story about that lady who had a, 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 had a baby and the baby got an, um, had some bruises on it? They took the, ba- the baby to hospital. The hospital looked at the bruises and said, oh, you've been abusing this child. And they took the baby away from them. Five years later, they find out that the baby actually had an illness which caused the bruises on the body and the parents hadn't abused it and uh, and in, over the course of that 5 years the child got adopted and guess what the natural parents couldn't do they couldn't get their baby back so when so when god says he adopts you into his family it's one of the it's it's it is it's arguably one of the most beautiful doctrines in the bible the doctrine of adoption Who's the brother that wrote the book? It might come back to to me later. I thought it came back to me, then it went again. The fatherhood of God and the adoption of God. Jesus says, listen, you don't understand how I'm committed to you. And sometimes we don't understand that, do we? And we struggle, don't we? And possibly because of Bad example of a father, and so on. Maybe even we ourselves are bad fathers, and we're like, "Man, if I'm like this, and I'm really trying, you know what I mean?" But I flop so horribly. I can't even. I can't begin to understand and appreciate how God is so consistent when I'm so inconsistent. Let alone those who don't even care. God is a father. And he's committed to us as his children in an, in an unprecedented manner. I mean, the scripture says, if you then being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more shall the heavenly father give good things to you? You know what I'm saying? It's like even a good father in comparison to God, wow. I'm just trying to help us because I think it's something that, that most, if not all of us, struggle with at some point. And I'm saying, can God really love me now you know, when I know what I'm really like? Um, God's committed because he's adopted you. Amen. There's absolutely, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. There's absolutely no need for the disciples to be worried, anxious or discouraged. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Verse 19, Jesus says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. This is a repetition of what Jesus said last week in verse 7 to 11 about his incredibly close relationship with the father. How do you explain the closeness? (laughs) Well, I'm in him and he's in me. There's one way. I don't understand it, but I understand how it describes the closeness of the relationship. Verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is it, he it is who loves me. There's a second reference to this love and obedience that comes as a result of relationship. Jesus loves the Father and therefore obeys him. Right? Illustrating his deep relationship to the degree of being in the Father. See? And Jesus amazingly invites his disciples into this same intimate type of relationship, which results in them also being loved by the Father in similar fashion to Jesus being loved. By the Father. Can you see once you're invited into this relationship. It's not even fundamentally immediately about the commandments. That comes up secondarily. But primarily it's about being in relationship with God. And then once in this. In the wonder. Of this new. Amazing. Undeserved relationship. It's from that point you look at sin. You look now at doing anything that would contradict that relationship like, whoa. You look at sin from a different point of view. You look at it from a different perspective. You look at it now on the basis of relationship because you're in the Father. You're in Jesus. And we'll see in a minute that he's in us wherever we take him. And I mean, you know, sometimes we take him to some places that Literally and metaphorically, there's this this second reference to loving obedience. Um, Look at the middle of verse 21. I think that's where we're up to. And he who loves me, right, "and, and will keep my commandments, will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse twenty-two. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, "This is this is this is Judas, who's also known as Thaddeus." And you know, he's like, like everyone, like Judas. He's like, "I'm Judas, but, uh, but I'm not. I'm not that Judas." Like Judas, Judas, like messed up the name Judas after that point, right? <laughs> uh, you know anybody named Judas? <laughs> he's like, "I'm not that guy." And he says, "Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world?" How, how, how will you show yourself to us but not to everyone else around us? How, how, how does that work? Well, through the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit can reveal something to you mm-hmm. and no one else around you know about it? No one else but you. And that without an audible voice... Even right here now in this room, the Holy Spirit is able to speak to different ones, each one, all at the same time. I mean, the Holy Spirit can be speaking to to, to us right now about, about sin in our lives, right? About sin in my life about something that you need to change this week. Like something you need to take back to that shop. I'm just confessing my own sinfulness. Something I've got to take back to TK Maxx. I don't, I don't shop in TK Maxx n- n- like I used to. Lord knows. Lord knows. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the victory. You know what I mean? Um, I, I can't lie, I'm tempted. Cause it's my favorite like, clothes shop for me you get everything in there look, look I'm, I'm already slipping can you see me slipping in there again you know what I'm saying you can get everything in there man and you get one away. you get stuff that no one else ain't wearing and blah 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 And I'm saying I don't know Like, what is the Lord speaking to you about and that means somebody that you may need to go and visit somebody that you might need to apologise to somebody that you might need to forgive somebody that you might need to call The Holy Spirit might be speaking about, speaking to you about God's will for your life. You know what I mean, so I was thinking just this morning, this really strange thought came to me, and I mean, I could be up here, and somebody that knows me and know me from morning, like, could walk in and think, mm, "Robert, is that you? <laughs> is that you? Like up there preaching, speaking, teaching? You what? You're a pastor, really? What for twelve years?" Ooh. and the thought came to me that maybe i might be here and you know me in it just like they looked at jesus when he was in in a temple in luke luke 4 in the synagogue he's like yeah today this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing i'm the I'm, it's me it's about me and they're like what they're like what <laughs> you're, you're 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 jesus the carpenter's son what do you mean you know and I'm saying, and 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 the encouragement that I, I I I felt like the Lord might even give to someone today is that, in the same way that the Lord can use a joker like me, you know what I mean? He, you might, maybe the Lord could encourage you to feel like, you know what? Lord, imagine maybe you could use me, you know what I mean? In in some small way. You know what I mean? And 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 if that's you, be encouraged, because. More often than not, me, Pastor E, even Pastor P, I saw Pastor P this week, you know. He said, he said, Wow, go on. He said, big up, man. Give everybody my love. Because Pastor Brian Broderson came over and we spent the evening with him on Friday. And you ask me, Pastor E, Pastor P, (laughs) I mean, it's like, often we're like, like, what are we doing here? Like, (laughs) Like, what do we think we're doing? You know what I mean? But it's God." Fulfilling his will by his grace through the power of his spirit, even in men like us, even in men like the apostles. I mean, who would pick them? No one would pick them, even to the point when they were picked, those who had the credentials and I'm saying been to the and I'm saying like strolled the, 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 the halls of academia, like been to and I'm saying the Jewish Environments of of teaching and and higher thinking and higher learning, and they looked at the disciples. They're like, "Hmm, these guys." Acts chapter four, verse thirteen. You know what I'm saying, and they took knowledge that these men. They said, looked at them. They said, "These are ignorant and unlearned men." But it says they took knowledge of the fact that these men had what had been with Jesus. So that's your, that's, that's your only credentials. Well, I say your only credentials, depending on what you're aiming to do. Obviously, you can't just jump up and say, I'm going to plant a church. Or, <laughs> we can help you with that. Trust me. <laughs> but what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? you know and I'm saying about what is he saying to you? What is he s- hopefully saying something to you even today about Jesus and how wonderful he is? I'm here saying. Lots of things, but the Holy Spirit is able to speak even between the lines, even the things that I don't say. He says, and that's one of the, one of the great things about Jesus leaving, isn't it? Later on in John 16, verse 7 and 8, <clears throat> Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Be like, Jesus knew he, they weren't getting it, but he's, 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 Jesus, you know, he's excited, even though they don't get it, because he gets it, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, the helper, will not, he, he can't come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, verse 8. And when he comes, notice, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And this is what we're talking about, what the Holy Spirit is able to do. The question is, who will respond to the conviction of the Spirit? The issue of obedience is massive, isn't it? Look, again, verse 23, Jesus answered him. This is Judas, right? Thaddeus. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandment. They've used another word here. They will will keep my word. Again, love and obedience obedience that springs forth from love and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him but on the contrast on the contrary whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me so verse 18 i will come to you verse 19 yet a little while you will see me verse 21 I will manifest myself to him. Apart from a mystical spiritual visitation, which does happen from time to time in the book of Acts, right? Where the apostles or the disciples even get these mystical visions, you know what I'm saying? Peter, do you remember, is visited by God when? Cornelius? Acts chapter 10, right? Paul. An apostle who's born out of due season. He's like, he's like an apostle. He's like one of the disciples, but he's born later on, right? He's visited on the road to Damascus at his conversion in Acts chapter 9, a mystical appearance of Jesus, right? And then again by Jesus a few more times in Acts chapter 18 and then again in Acts chapter 23, right? I'm talking about th- th- verse, verse 21 with reference to Jesus says, I will manifest myself to you. Because immediately that's what we may think about. So Acts 18, a few verses, it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. Notice, what's he say to him? It's consistent. This is the same thing that the Lord had to say to Joshua back in the day. right? He says, he says do not be afraid. And he wouldn't have said that un- unless, he was af- unless he was afraid. And this is the great apostle Paul. He says, "Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people." Now, don't read that verse and take it out of its context. Because how many of you know Paul did get attacked and he did get harmed, but not on this occasion? <laughs> people take that verse. Is he all right? Amen. You know what I'm saying? If I believe in God, then I won't get attacked. I won't get harmed. Hey. <clears throat> The other occasion where he, he had a vision it was Acts 23, verse 11. It says, the following night, this is another occasion. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage. You see the consistency? For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. So there are some, some verses with reference to Jesus manifesting himself to his apostles But but I'm arguing that our quotes in in chapter 14 of John are not saying that. Our quotes in John 14 are probably not all the same in that sense in terms of his appearing to them. Most of these promises that we're reading in John 14 are probably references to what? Jesus manifesting himself. How is he going to do that more literally without getting too deep? Remember, Jesus is with them. Right? And he says, I'm going to leave you for a little while. And then, here's a clue, then I'm going to come back to you. Hey! right? So possibly what he's talking about is the crucifixion and the resurrection and the fact that in a little while he's going to come back and he's going to see them again. You know what I'm saying? And um, Jesus will see the 11 again literally in a little while and manifest himself to them again. Then And because Jesus conquers death at the cross, his disciples can now also conquer death. Because Jesus lives, verse 19, they too can also live because of the power of the resurrection. This comes up again in chapter 16. We won't see this again until next year when we jump back into John. But it's actually the same night here in the upper room. If that makes sense. Because remember, the the next set of chapters are covering just one week. So even though we're coming back next year, it's still. And in John 16, I'm trying to convince myself that I've convinced you. Verse 18 of John 16. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. And they did, particularly Peter. But the world will rejoice. Right? Remember the world that's in opposition to him. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Now fast forward, this is prior to the resurrection, fast forward to the to after the resurrection, and I hope I'm not spoiling it for you, spoiling the film, the series. Of course I'm not, you've got a Bible, it? you can read it if you want to. <laughs> John chapter 20, verse um, 19 to 20, On the On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace, shalom, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were what? They were glad when they saw the Lord. Because he'd already told them that your sorrow will be turned to joy. Here it is, right? At the realization of the resurrection, the resurrection changes everything, yo. Remember back in chapter 2, Verse 18 to 22, earlier in this book. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up again in three days. Ha, 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 right? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Verse 22, when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. See that? But it cannot be denied, I'll just add this as we, as we move on. It cannot be denied that Jesus' promise to make a home with the believers is something mystically experienced by Christians throughout the centuries following, even up to and beyond our lifetime. You know what I mean? I don't know if that. If if, if that nuance was clear. Jesus will make his home in you, in me, if we love him and keep his words or keep his commandments. Verse 25 of, of, of John 14. These things, Jesus says, I've spoken to you while I am still with you. Here we come back to the theme of departure, right? Jesus is leaving. And almost immediately upon leaving, what does Jesus do? Just days after the resurrection, Acts chapter one says, "And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, because here comes an unprecedented, you know, what I'm saying um, experience. But to wait for what? The he's already mentioned." He's going to send them the Spirit who's going to come from the Father, he says, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me. Back in John chapter 14. <laughs> for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. Wow. Verse 26 of our text, as we move on, Jesus says, But the Helper. The Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, can you see how this was fulfilled just after the resurrection? Here's another promise fulfilled primarily during the time of the apostles. The Holy Spirit. Notice He will teach you all things, and He will also do what? Bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We have to, we have to make sure that we get we we get the immediate. Um, understanding with reference to what is being said and why it's being said and to whom it's being said. And I'm saying, because we can quickly take verses like this and apply them immediately to ourselves. Now, I suppose I'd like to make just two points here. One, this does relate to us in our time, but to a lesser degree. How many of you tried to read the Bible when you first got saved? right. <clears throat> Tried to read it, but did you understand it? I know I, I, know I didn't before I, before I became a Christian, you know what I'm saying? And um, I couldn't make head or tail of the scriptures. I just used to read the Psalms, you know what I mean? Because they used to bring a little bit of comfort somehow, some way. Some of us are still trying to understand the Bible, right? <laughs> or at least to the point where we can teach it. And even when you do understand the Bible to a degree, you also have to memorize it because, in order to recall it, you need to have had read it first. How I many of you know the Bible? Like, it doesn't—the words don't crawl into your ears and then into your brain while you sleep, right? Like, we got to read this, and um, it's a challenge, isn't it? And so, when you read it, when you expose yourself to it, and you have some kind of understanding of it, and then you begin to try to memorize it, and at that point in time, I would definitely agree the Holy Spirit will help us and remind us of the things that we've read and the things that we've understand so that when we try to communicate, you know what I'm saying, we're not standing there going, um, um, um. so there is an element of help that we get from the Holy Spirit in that sense. <clears throat> Even as I'm standing up here, I'm trusting Lord that help me, you know what I'm saying, um, by your Spirit. Um, but also wherever you are, at home or at work or at school or at uni or this Christmas, when together with the family, you know what I'm saying? We'd hope that the Holy Spirit will help us at those moments, right? In a similar way to what we see here today. But as far as this text is concerned, the primary point is, as we saw earlier, the disciples really struggled to understand much of what Jesus taught. We saw so many examples of that even today, where they don't get it, right? But here... They had the promise that, one, not only would the Holy Spirit teach them what Jesus meant when he he taught them. But two, he would also, that is the Holy Spirit would also remind them of the poignant things that Jesus had said to them. So that they could not just recall it, but also record it. And carefully, right, because their words... Would become God's words. Their words would become the Bible. They wrote scripture. And you can see that Jesus, even though he's leaving, fundamentally, the work of the Spirit for them is that he was going to teach them when Jesus was gone what Jesus meant. You know what I'm saying? And he would bring it all back to their remembrance so that they would be able to write it, so that we could read it and have it. You know what I mean? So you can see that Jesus, even though he's leaving, <clears throat> this is amazing, right? Watch this. That Jesus has amazing confidence. And, and that because he was trusting f- fundamentally not these 11 weak and inconsistent disciples. Jesus was trusting in the ability of his substitute, the one who is perfect, another just like him, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had noticed the whole situation under control. As distressing as it may have seemed to be for the disciples, but especially for Jesus. Because how many of you know Jesus was facing his greatest challenge? At this point, Jesus is going to die tomorrow. But notice Jesus' demeanor. Notice his air. Notice his attitude in verse 27. He says, Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I mean, Jesus got some extraordinary peace. And thankfully, he's going to allow it to spill over into their lives. He says, hopefully, our lives. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace, even even though what I'm going through is a madness. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Because the world can't give this kind of peace. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Listen to this quote, man. The source of my peace must always be greater than the circumstances that seek to rob me of my peace. The source of my peace must always be greater than the circumstances that seek to rob me of my peace. Now, on its own, that quote is amazing. It's a quote by a a pastor called Damien Kyle, who's a Calvary Chapel pastor in a place called Modesto. I think it's in California. Is that right? And um, Damien Kyle, here's a picture of him. What makes this quote so amazing is that Pastor Damien made this quote subsequent to being diagnosed with terminal cancer. It's, it's treatable, but it's incurable. They it can kind of help him for a little period of time, but eventually, it's going to get him. Apart from a miracle. You know what I mean? And that, the quote in itself is amazing, but the context of the quote makes it even that much more powerful. And hopefully you'll be encouraged by the fact that Jesus is able to give you a peace even in the face of what seems harrowing this is a peace that can only come from God himself it's a peace that comes from the prince of peace in Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 classic verses do not be anxious about anything wow nothing Lord anything (laughs) (laughs) but Lord you don't know you don't understand anything anything But in everything, as difficult as the situation may be, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Remember last week what Jesus said, if you pray to him, he will respond. Verse 7, and the peace of God, and I'm saying when we pray in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, according to his will, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, See that it usurps our natural thinking, helpfully so, thankfully so, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, can you see how this chapter has been framed by Jesus' words, Let not your hearts be troubled? Here we have encouragement for troubled hearts. As we finish, verse 28. And you heard me say to you, says Jesus, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. Stop being so selfish, you lot. I'm going to the Father. Rejoice, at least for me. (laughs) Your time's gonna come, you know what I'm saying? He says, because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I and now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. See, like I said, there's so much I'm I'm having to skip. But nonetheless, as we've seen, things are actually going to get better upon Jesus' departure. And not only can the disciples have peace, they can also have what? From what Jesus just said. He says, You should have rejoiced. They can also have joy. Right? End of verse 28 peace and joy this is great encouragement for troubled hearts theirs as well as ours and i'm sure you noticed that the end of verse 28 you're like oh robert you're not going to get away with not sharing on this one at the end of verse 28 jesus says the father is greater than i, I thought i was trying to duck that one in it jesus says the father is greater than i jesus as god is no less than the father but how many of you know in his first coming jesus subordinated himself to the Father? Because he came to fulfill a particular purpose. Remember Jesus is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15.45. And Jesus came to do a job. That Adam centuries before had miserably failed. Remember? And it was all going to happen again. And where was it going to happen? In a similar place. In a garden. And here we have the second Only ever perfect man, that's why the Bible calls him the last Adam, and it's last because there ain't going to be another one, he's the second perfectly made man. Right? Jesus came to do a job that the first Adam miserably failed. (sighs) Can you see the parallel? And unlike Eve, Jesus knew that the serpent was coming to tempt him to sin. But this time, Jesus, the last Adam, is fully prepared. Unlike the first Adam and Eve, if you like. Eve was in the garden and was completely naive to the serpent's plan. Jesus is about to enter into a similar garden, but he's completely cognizant of the devil's plan. And he isn't going to flop like the first Adam flopped. Jesus, unlike Adam, won't break the commandment. I will be perfectly obedient, illustrating his great love for the Father. Verse 30, I will no longer talk, with, talk much with you. Why? For the ruler of this world is coming. See, Jesus knows what I'm going on, right? He has no claim on me like he did Eve. He had no claim on Eve. It's just Eve gave him claim and Adam, right? Like both of them gave over. Jesus is like, but you ain't got no claim on me. Verse 31, but, but I do, and this is why, I do as the Father has commanded me. If it's one or if it's a million commands, I'm gonna keep them. Because Jesus was tested and tempted in all points, yet without sin. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. It's not even just about keeping the commandments, it's about showing love for God. You know what I'm saying? May the same be true for us. Jesus says, rise, let's go from here. Now we're going to pick this up in chapter 15, January the 10th, 2016. Why? Because we're going to have a break now for our our Christmas series. Um, We're doing a series over Christmas called The Great Giveaway, and we're going to encourage you over the next four weeks from the run-up to Christmas to invite family, invite your friends, because we're going to hit Christmas, like, four weeks in advance, running up to, you know what I'm saying, the great celebration of Jesus' birth. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up and join me as we get ready to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Jesus said, you trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus said, Father, to his disciples at the beginning of this chapter, he says, you, he says believe in God. Believe also in me. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is Superman HD. He's, he's, he redefines who Superman is. He's 100% man that's why he could do what the last Adam couldn't and he's 100% God and father Jesus would be separated from his disciples but only temporarily and father Jesus is going to he's separated from us but only temporarily because in the same way Jesus promised to come back for them he's, father Jesus has promised to come back for us Jesus is going to return to take us to that prepared place, the place that he prepared for us. In the meantime, Father, thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to help us to be witnesses. Help us, Father, with all that you've given us to be witnesses in order that you might be glorified. And Father, right here in central Lewisham, Help us to be witnesses and in the rest of London and beyond. Thank you, Lord. You empower us by your spirit as we pray in the name of Jesus. And now, Father, would you fill us with your spirit who isn't just with us? That would be amazing, but he's also in us, teaching us, reminding us. Point in us to the Father, just like Jesus did when he was here with his disciples. The Father, providing us also with peace, encouraging our troubled hearts. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.